Well, good morning. It is a joy to be together and to be singing the hymns of Christmas. What a joy it is to reflect on the birth of our Savior. I invite your attention this morning to John chapter 1. When I think back in my childhood days of Christmas, I have a lot of fond memories. It was always a wonderful time of the year, and uh, of course the highlight was receiving gifts. But one of the things that amazes me is there's only one Christmas that I remember in particular. And, and I don't know, I was, I'm guessing six, seven, eight years old, something like that. But it was a year that started out rather getting close to Christmas. It was things seemed rather dismal because my mother was in the hospital and she had surgery, as I recall, and, and uh, I, I think was back home for Christmas. But because of that, she was always the one that made Christmas happen at our house. And it was like, as a young child, uh, uh, I don't know if there's going to be a Christmas this year. Mother's uh, laid up and uh, not able to, to go Christmas shopping and take care of all the Christmas activities that she generally took care of. Well, a day or two before Christmas, my father got me and my two younger sisters, the youngest ones in the family, and took us over to Harris's store in Myerstown. I bet there's only a few of us here this morning that know where Harris's uh, department store was in Myerstown. It was at Locust Street and and Main Street, which is now a daycare center, which was previously a Fulton Bank. Well, there, there was a nice big department store, Harris's department store. And Dad gave me and my two sisters, each gave us each $5, which was a, seemed like a lot of money back then, and took us to the toy department and told us to go crazy. And it was like, wow, I was just, it was just amazing. I could, I could go get what I wanted. And... Uh, and that's the Christmas that, that stands out in, in my mind. And that story kind of encapsulates what I want to share this morning uh, in, this, in this message. And it's how uh, at a time when things seem so dark in the world, something so wonderful happened. And I want to use John chapter 1, verses 1 through... Uh, 18 for my text, mostly focusing on verse 14. But let me read a verse from, uh, when I, as I share my message title, which you won't find in this portion of scripture, let me read a verse from Isaiah 7.14 where I get my message title. Verse, Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And I've simply titled the message this morning, Emmanuel. And in Hebrew, it means God with us. God with us. And my, uh, the verse we want to focus on mainly this morning, John chapter 1, verse 14, so vividly describes God with us. The verse says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God with us, the incarnation, the beauty and the splendor of it. The Gospel of John 
is my favorite gospel. And it is, uh, let me just uh, tell you a few things about the gospel of John. It is, it is said to be the gospel of simplicity, the gospel of revelation, the gospel of the Messiah, the gospel of redemption, the gospel that shows us Jesus' humanity, the gospel of the word, the gospel of I am, the gospel of signs, and the gospel of the Holy Spirit. And John just has such a, a just a beautiful way of, of describing the life of Christ. Uh, and he, it starts out here in, in chapter 1 with him giving us such an uh, awesome description of, of the incarnation. Now let's just focus a bit on, on verse 14 as we think about the, the incarnation, think about Christmas. In John 1.14, the beginning of the verse says, And the word was. I just want to make the point that Christmas is a historical fact. Even our calendars reflect that. Christmas is a historical fact. It is something that happened some 2,000 years ago. Another thing about this historical fact is we read, when you read the account of the wise men, it says that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And it tells us, the scripture tells us in the account of the shepherds in our Sunday school lesson this morning, that the angels brought tidings of great joy. And so when we think of Christmas, we think of the incarnation some 2,000 years ago, it brought great joy to the world back then, and it continues to bring great joy to the world today. And you can sense that in the last number of weeks. I, different people I meet, and it's, uh, you, some people use the term, the Christmas spirit is in the air. And it's, it's simply uh, the joy that we're experiencing that we reflect on, as we reflect on the birth of Jesus. And it is, it is also something that uh, one of the, the things that I want to make sure that we all grasp this morning is that for the Christian, it's to be an everyday experience, not just at Christmas. It's not the spirit of Christmas. It is uh, this great joy is something that we have to hold on to, and it, it is ours to possess. Now... Let's go, open your Bibles, let's go back to Genesis, just for a couple verses. Genesis chapter 3, I want to read verses 23 and 24 in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verses 23 and 24. And this is after Adam and Eve uh, fell into sin in the garden, and these... Just let these verses grip your heart this morning. Verses 23 and 24 in chapter 3. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of, of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way 
of the tree of life. Let me ask you a question. Was God disappointed? Did God experience disappointment after Eve partook of that fruit, gave it to Adam, and mankind, which God had created perfectly, creatures of choice, placed them into that beautiful garden. They had everything. Sometimes today we hear people talk about the American dream. Adam and Eve had something so much greater than the American dream. They had everything. And they sinned. And God was disappointed. We know God was disappointed. We're made in God's image, and we know the disappointment we experience when our children disobey us. And uh, we, we understand how that feels. And so, yes, God was disappointed. There was approximately 4,090-some years between the birth of Adam and Jesus. During that time, and I don't totally understand all of this, but my understanding is that the way of salvation during that time was through the nation of Israel, through the Jewish nation. Uh, the Bible is very clear that God spoke primarily during that time through the prophets. It's the way the people heard from God, through the prophets. The Bible also tells us that there was some 400 years of silence prior to the birth of John the Baptist, where there was no word. It was just quiet. There was no word from, from, from God. Now, before we go back to our text, let's go to the book of Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 30, 30th Psalm. And just notice one verse in the 30th Psalm. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says this. And this, this verse is, uh, I believe it's during the dedication of the, the temple. And this verse describes the character of God. It says, for his, ang for his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but... Joy cometh in the morning. And when I, when I read this verse and I reflect on the character of God, and I think of those 4,000 years where he was, yes, God was disappointed, but he was thinking of, of something great, thinking of something that that would bring great joy to, to mankind again and, and to the world. And you and I today are looking back. We're looking back 2,000 years to when great joy came into the world. And we have so much to be thankful for because we could have just as easily been born and lived during that first 4,000 years, during that period of time when God spoke through the prophets and when God was disappointed with mankind and we find ourselves living 2,000 years after the time 
that great joy came into the world. It reminds me of, and, and today we, we, can, we continue to have this great joy. What it reminds me of is if a parent is holding a child and remembering when the child was born, with great joy you remember the birth of the child, but you still have the child in your possession. And today, we with great joy, we remember the birth of Jesus, but we still have God in the person of the Holy Spirit living within us. We still have the great joy. There's no disconnect. And we're going to think about that more as we go through the message. Now, back to our text, John chapter 1 and verse 14. Well, let me read, at this time, I want to read the first 18 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God bear witness, John bear witness of him, and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Why, in this portion of Scripture, why does John describe Jesus as the Word? When you read this, why doesn't he start out in verse 1 and say, in the beginning... Jesus was with God, and, and use, why does he use, why does he use uh, the word, word, capitalized, and uh, definitely referring to, definitely meaning Jesus. Bible scholars believe that, that it was, he did it for the sake of the Gentiles. The Jewish people, uh, for the most part, understood who Jesus was. But the Gentiles did not. And so if John would have said, if John would have said uh, Jesus, just like using a person's name, I assume at that time there was other people uh, with the name Jesus as well. And it, was, it, it wouldn't have meant anything or very much to them. So he, he chooses to describe Jesus as the word. 
the word is, is the Hebrew word logos, which was understood by Jews and Gentiles. A word is not merely a sound. It has power to express something. Words allow us to take our jumbled thoughts and put them into an orderly fashion to express our feelings to others and for others to be able to, to grasp those feelings. I can illustrate it this way. Uh, I can, I'm standing up here this morning and, and you're looking at me and, and you have no idea what I'm thinking. Uh, you don't know what I'm thinking. But I, I have this thought in my mind. And the power of words to express a thought are incredible. I can, and right now you're, you're like, you're like you, you don't know. You don't know what I'm thinking. But in a moment, I can say, pink elephant, and your mind's all, you're imagining a pink elephant. I can say, it's a pink elephant in the foyer, and you're all, there's, you, can, you can picture it, even though you're not looking at the foyer, which I am, and there's no pink elephant there. But there's, you, in your mind, it's, it's suddenly, it's like you, you're picturing something, you're picturing the thought that I had in my mind. And I believe that's why John uses this, this expression, the word. And if you come down to the last part of this, of this text this morning, when he, just, he says in verse 18, he says, the fa- Jesus, who was, was in the bosom of the Father, Jesus, or the word, has declared his Father. And so like those words I used to declare a pink elephant in the foyer, Jesus was declaring his father to the world. And he did a, did a, a great job of doing that, of declaring his father. In verse 14, we have the, the incarnation. It says, uh, and the word was made flesh, the, the, the marvel of Mary being uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit and, and having, this, having this baby Jesus born uh, to her. Uh, the incarnation, only in the mind of God could he come up with something so beautiful for Mary, a virgin, to have part of the Godhead born as a baby into the world to declare to us his his father the incarnation and it tells us in this verse that he lived among us notice the the plurals in verse 14 the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory john's making it clear this isn't just a story that i came up with there are multiple people This child was born among us, and we, multiple people, beheld the glory of the Son of God. The love of God was declared uh, in in the birth of of Jesus. We could think a long time, and we we often do, and especially especially around uh, Good Friday and, and Easter, we think a lot about the love of God, and how God could give his son for 
the sins of the world, for the sins of mankind, how God could, could part with his only begotten son. And that, that just describes to us the love of our father, that he could do that and did that. Another thing that we learn in the incarnation is the humility of God. Uh, Jesus, born in a stable, laid in a manger, we see the humility of God. We see a God that is humble, a God that longs for a relationship with mankind, a, a father that will go to extreme lengths to, to extend his, his loving hand of, of grace and mercy to mankind. And he declares it through, uh, through Jesus. When you think about the incarnation, you think about God sending his son into the world to declare the father. You know, we're, we're made in God's image. And so we, if you're observant, you can get an idea. We can draw some parallels. Uh, I enjoy at church and wherever, I enjoy observing young children and I enjoy seeing how so often they look like their parents. It's amazing. Uh, young boys talking with their father and like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you see the similarities, they're there, okay? Uh, and oftentimes young girls look like their mothers and sometimes young girls look like their fathers too. But this, how children have the same characteristics of their parents. It's, it's so often, it, it's evident, and it's just amazing to, to notice. But do you know what? Uh, and so, in a sense, the, the children are declaring their parents. Okay? But do you know what is even... You, you can take that a step further... And Marion doesn't teach Sunday, children's Sunday school classes very often anymore, if at all. But when she did, uh, she would come home and she'd say sometimes, boy, so-and-so, did you know that they were doing this or they were doing that? Their children are talking in Sunday school. And this is, I mean, you're you teach children's Sunday school classes, you know that. Children, uh, they reveal their parents. And if you want to know more, just start asking questions. And sometimes I ask my grandchildren questions. Well, did your daddy? Oh, yeah, you know. And you, you can learn so much. And so, guess what? God sent his son into the world to declare himself. And in those 30-some years that Jesus lived among us, we learned so much about the Father. He revealed the Father to us. And that was the reason for, for John using the... Uh, Jesus, ex, Jesus was an ex, is an expression of the Father. And I cannot think of a better way for God to have revealed himself to the world than the method that he chose. It's worked. It really worked. And those people that lived during that time, uh, inspired by God's spirit, took out their, uh, 
their quails and wrote it all down in scrolls. And today we have the Bible, which describes to us the life of Jesus. And as we study that, and as we read that, we, we get an a accurate glimpse of the Father. How does John sum it all up? When well, verse 14 and again in verse 17, he says, uh, thinking of, of Jesus and the life of Jesus, John says, we beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. I wonder, when John wrote that, when John wrote this portion of scripture, and he penned these words, we beheld his glory. Can you, we can't even imagine everything that was going through John's mind. But a few things came to my mind as I was thinking about this. And I wonder if John wasn't remembering the, the woman that was caught in adultery in the very act that they had brought into the temple and in John chapter 8, and they said to Jesus, the law says that she must be stoned. And Jesus said, okay, the, one, the, the person among you that's without sin, you be the first one to throw a stone at her. And you know the story. There was no stones thrown. I think the scripture says that after a while, starting with the oldest to the youngest, they just walked away. And Jesus says, to the woman, huh, where are your accusers? And she says, yeah, no, no, they, they're not here. They left. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, there's something different. Something had, there was something different. The Old Testament did say to stone them. John says here, we beheld his glory. I wonder if John was remembering the, the man that was born blind and, uh, and came into the presence of Jesus and people said to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus spit on the ground and mixed uh, his spit with the dirt and rubbed it in the man's eyes and, and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the scripture says he went, he went and washed and came seeing a miracle, just one of many that John had witnessed. I believe John was remembering all these instances as he penned the words, and we beheld his glory. I believe John was probably remembering when they came to the grave of Lazarus and Lazarus' sister said, He's been laying here four days in the grave. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the grave. The scripture says, and he that was dead came forth. And so those are just three little instances, three little things of hundreds and hundreds that John had witnessed. He was there. He saw it. He understood it. And John says here, we beheld his glory. We saw it. We beheld it. God was truly with us. Emmanuel. God with us. It was God. It is a historical fact. 
God was, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and he was God. He displayed to us the Father. He lived among us. I was, John saying, I was, I witnessed it and many people witnessed it. God with us. And then we know the account. After 30 some years, uh, Jesus dealt with the sin problem in the world. And the scripture simply says in John 19, Jesus hanging on the cross, it tells us that Jesus' last words were, it is finished. In John 20, it tells us that uh, Mary went and discovered the empty tomb. And after that, it tells us she goes back and tells the disciples, you remember the story? Who ran to the tomb? John and Peter. And the scripture says John outran Peter to get to the tomb. And the tomb is empty. John says we beheld his glory. He was here. He was among us. He lived. He died. He was resurrected like he said he was going to be. I witnessed it. I saw it all. God with us, Emmanuel. Was God only with that group of people living in that area of the world at that time in history? Was the Emmanuel experience of the wise men and the shepherds only for that 30-year window of time that Jesus was here? Is that who it was for? No. I don't believe that for a second. See, John is, uh, like, I, like I said at the beginning in his scripture, he's, he's one, of the, one of the things that he just really brings out. And you go to John chapter 16, and we'll go there in a minute, is the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And some of you have heard me say this before, but I often think of it in a very fond way, and it, it just brings out such a truth. And it's uh, Elta's father, Elmer Ebersole, was our pastor here for many years when Mary and I first came to Myerstown. And in his later years, he was, his, uh, was a widower living by himself, and mid-80s, and some of the children felt like, you know, maybe, Dad, you ought to go uh, live with someone so you're not here alone. And, and Marion and I were visiting him one day, and, and he relayed this to us. And health, I mean, he was doing well, and he said, he just said in such a sweet way, he said, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. God's with me. I have God. I'm not alone. And his life reflected that. He, he, was, he was not alone. God's with me. I have God. I, I fellowship with God every day. I'm not alone. And uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. We're not alone. God is with us in, in the person of uh, the Spirit. And let's go to John 16. Well, first of all, no, we can't. Let's stay... I can't do that. 
we, there's two verses here we got to look at before we go there. And they are verses 12 and 13. John 1, verses 12 and 13. Then we'll go to John 16. John 1, verse 12. And I want you to catch something here. John 1, verse 12. But as many... Re- but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now what we have in these two verses is what? We have a description, a very vivid description of the new birth, of the new birth experience. When somebody places their trust, their faith, and their confidence in the Lord Jesus, they experience a spiritual birth. And that's what these verses describe. They are born again. They, are, they experience a spiritual birth. It's not of the flesh. It's a God thing we become a spiritual being. We are, uh, we're born again. We are a new creature, and it's a God thing. He gives us the power to become the sons of God. We're born not of, of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but, but of God. Now, I, I find it very interesting when John wrote this that he dis, did you ever stop and wonder why he describes the new birth right ahead of the incarnation. Now the incarnation is Emmanuel, God with us. But I think it's right. I think he's right in doing that because when we are Born again, we experience Emmanuel, God with us. And even though we didn't live in those 30 years when, when Jesus was born to Mary and, and lived his life here on in, here in earth, we're some 2,000 years later, even though that's where we find ourselves uh, in history, I believe it's very true that we are experiencing Emmanuel. We are experiencing God with us. And so the flow, I believe, is right. And now let's go to to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And hear John describe the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so, Jesus says here, he says, it's to your advantage. Jesus says, it's going to be to your advantage that I go away because when I go away, the Comforter is going to come and the Holy Spirit's going to live in you. And that's going to be better for you than when I am here in person. 
And so you and I today get to experience God with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, verses 13 and through 16, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Wow, unpack, all those, unpack those verses. But John is, is, is making it very clear that God is with us. If we are believers, we are experiencing the presence of God with us. And in verses 20 and 22, uh, says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Has your sorrow been turned into joy? The joy that only can come from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this verse, he describes what the, what the world was experiencing He's describing what the disciples experienced during those days when the body of Jesus lay in the tomb. But notice the end of the verse, your sorrow shall be turned into joy. When uh, Peter and John reached that empty tomb, their sorrow was turned into joy. And here we are 2,000 years later, when we become believers, our sorrow is turned into great joy. And as we reflect back, on the birth of Jesus, uh, it's just a reminder of, of the joy that we are experiencing and how at a time things were so dark and things were so dismal, but today are so joyful. Verse 22 in chapter 16, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And so I trust that in this Christmas season that you are experiencing that joy because that is the joy that God intends for his children to experience. And there's, uh, that's the reason when we sing joy to the world, it gives us goosebumps because we truly live in a dark and dismal world but we have a joy that cannot be quenched, cannot be put out, and it's all because of Jesus, and it's because God chose to send his son into this world to be born of the Virgin Mary and to live and to declare himself to the world, which he did so accurately. God truly was with them, but God truly continues to be with you and I, even in 2019 and even in 2020, when we enter into the new year. God is with us. The Christ child is with us.
living within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so the joy that the world tries to get a hold of at Christmas time, tried to get, they, they tried to grasp it. They can never, f- full, a one can never fully understand until we surrender our life to the Lord Jesus and experience the new birth and are born again. And at that time, we, we can only begin to understand what it really means to have God with us. Not only God in the world, but God with us, God in us, God ever present in our life. And so, in this Christmas, as you enjoy family and you enjoy gifts, as you enjoy singing many Christmas songs, the point I simply want to let with us all this morning is that what started what, what happened back there 2,000 years ago has not ended. It continues on. God is still with us. And if we stay faithful to the Lord and our relationship with him, it's going to go right into eternity and continue throughout all of eternity. Do we have something to be thankful for? We sure do. And so... Let's not only radiate this Christmas joy in the Christmas season, but let's radiate it to the, for the world to see every day of the year. Let's stand for closing prayer. And Nate, if you could have a verse of song. Then. Lord, I thank you so much for being with us this morning. I thank you for this time, this Christmas season, when we can reflect again on your birth. I thank you so much. For loving the world so much that you willingly sent Jesus into this world uh, to born as a baby and revealing yourself to us. We've learned so much. We, we get an accurate glimpse of you through the scriptures today. And we're just so grateful for what you did and what you continue to do for us today. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit which lives within us. And we still get to experience uh, God with us. So this morning, Lord, we thank you for this joy that came in the morning. And Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful. Thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters here this morning. And ask that you would continue to guide and direct us in life. And that you would continue to bless us. In Jesus' name I pray.